Welcome to All Caring Conversations. Your health and wellness matters. I'm your host, Tracy Dawn Brewer. Today, we're going to discuss an important topic that every adult needs to have in place, advanced directives. You may recognize these better as a living will or a healthcare power of attorney. Dr. Wettstein joins me today to share her knowledge and suggestions on how easy it is to put these documents in place. It's an important conversation to have with your family, and she offers resources to do it on your own and for free. Listen in. Welcome to a new episode of Alt Caring Conversations. I'm happy to introduce you to Dr. Leslie Wettstein. Dr. Wettstein is a bioethicist and co-chair of our Altman Health Foundation Ethics Committee. She is also a professor of philosophy at Walsh University. Dr. Wettstein will discuss the role of advanced directives in medical decision-making with us today. Dr. Wettstein, it's an honor to have you here. Thanks for discussing this great topic with me. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Oh, me too. Um, could you please share your journey as a bioethicist and your roles at Altman Health Foundation and Walsh University with our audience? Sure. Um, well, bioethics is a field that's focused on the moral questions that arise at the intersection of science, technology, and public policy. And since my days as an undergraduate studying philosophy, I've always been fascinated by how technological advancements can raise such complex ethical questions. And I graduated with a PhD in healthcare ethics from Duquesne University and then joined the faculty of Walsh University in 2007. I am currently a full professor in their philosophy department there. And when I started my tenure at Walsh, I also began serving as a community member on Altman Hospital's Ethics Committee. So I did that for over a decade. And then in 2019, my role expanded at Altman in an official clinical capacity. So uh, yes, now I co-chair the Ethics Committee, I participate in the Ethics Consultation Service, and I provide medical education. So it's really nice to have a balance to be able to do both academic and clinical bioethics. I love how you're able to combine the both because I never really put that together as a necessity to talk to like a community member about this. But when you brought this subject to us, it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, yes, this is so informational and pertinent and important to share. So thank you so much for wanting to you know, lend your expertise to a broad audience. Absolutely. So let's define what advanced directives are and where someone would hear that term. Yes. So advanced directives, that's actually an umbrella term that can refer to either a living will or a healthcare power of attorney. And if you're interested in completing advanced directives, I recommend completing both documents because they have different functions and they're triggered at different times. So if it's okay, I guess I'd like to differentiate between a living will and a healthcare power of attorney. So a living will is a document and it directs your healthcare team to provide you with comfort care only when you meet certain criteria. So you have to have lost the ability to make decisions for yourself and 
And there's really no reasonable possibility that you would be able to regain that capacity again. And then either you need to be terminally ill, meaning you are in an unrecoverable or an incurable condition, or permanently unconscious. And that means that you're unaware of yourself and your surroundings. So comfort care then means that in those situations, you would not want cardiopulmonary resuscitation, you wouldn't want life-sustaining treatment, and in some cases, um, individuals have called it death-prolonging treatment given the situation. Um, you wouldn't want interventions that, that would postpone your death. So comfort care is directed to relieving pain and making you comfortable. There is a section on the living will where you can also provide special instructions or limitations, but I would just say to be advised that those requests cannot violate standards and practices. So for example, if a patient were to request to be euthanized, which is illegal in the United States, that would not be honored. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then finally, there's a section on the living will document where you can make an anatomical gift and you can dictate whether or not you would like your organs to be donated. And you can actually stipulate for what purposes. So you can say whether you would like them directed toward transplantation or research or education, for example. Um, and so to contrast that living will then with a healthcare power of attorney, so a healthcare power of attorney is a type of advanced directive that appoints a person to make medical decisions for you when you lose the capacity to make those decisions for yourself. So the difference is that a healthcare power of attorney is a person you appoint whom you trust to be able to interpret your wishes and they make treatment decisions as soon as you lose the capacity to do so even if that's just temporarily. So you can also include an alternate agent on this document in case the first person that you choose happens to be unavailable. But the, the crux of it is that a healthcare power of attorney generally has authority to give or withdraw consent or refuse to give consent to any healthcare procedure treatment or intervention. So, uh, and the last thing I would say on that point um, with regard to healthcare power of attorney, that the healthcare power of attorney has general authority to make decisions for you once you become incapacitated, but your agent must always act in your best interest. They're bound then by some limitations. So, for example, your healthcare power of attorney could not refuse consent for life support if you were predicted to get better or if life support were providing you comfort. Okay. Wow. So there's um, a couple of questions then I have after those descriptions. So this is actually a form. This isn't something that you need to sit down and write in your own hand and try to remember all of these points. There is a form that helps you complete every one of these points that you um, are saying that we're able to get and to fill out, correct? Yes, correct. All right. So that that's really important. And so both of or all of those documents, they really should not contradict one another because there's a lot on the power of attorney that if someone is appointed to take care of your wishes, it really should match your living will. If if I'm not if I'm understanding that correctly. 
That's correct. Um, again, like I would suggest that whomever you're appointing as your healthcare pov attorney, you want to take a, a long time to discuss what what issues right. are important to you, so that there's no surprises and that you have that exactly as you say, as you have consistency between your documents. Right, right. So that takes me to my next question. So, what's the process that you should think about? When making those advanced directive decisions, you know, should someone other than the person that they're directed to, you know, be involved? Well, anyone over the age of 18 uh, who has the ability to make their own decisions can complete advanced directives. And I would recommend going online and searching for your state's advanced directive forms. Because as you say, you don't have to write these out de novo. You're not creating them. Um, States already have them available for you. So if you Google, just as an example, if you Google Advanced Directives Ohio, Mm -hmm. it will take you to the OHA website, which is the Ohio Hospital Association. And they have all the forms that you can print out and you can complete at no cost to you. So after you complete your advanced directive, so you've gone through the forms, you've signed it, Mm -hmm. then the process is that the documents need to be witnessed by two people. But there are limitations on who can witness advanced directives. So they cannot be witnessed by your attending physician, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can't be witnessed by the administrator of a nursing home where you're receiving care or by anyone who is related to you by blood, marriage, or adoption. Yeah, so um, you do have the option then uh, to get the documents notarized if you can't find witnesses that meet those criteria. So that is a, a secondary option. This episode is brought to you today by the Altman Foundation. The Altman Foundation raises and administers funds that support and promote education and wellness outreach programs that improves the health of our community. The Altman Foundation is made up of three branches that support those missions. Those branches are giving, grants, and the Women's Board of Altman Hospital. Visit altmanfoundation.org to learn more. Yeah, that's great to know. And it didn't even dawn on me until you mentioned, you know, Googling your state that these change by state. So that's really important. And that link that you shared, I will definitely put in the show notes so everybody has an easy access to click on that. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah, sure. So what everyday situations could someone find themselves in without these advanced directives in place? Um, Can you give some examples? Sure. When people don't make advanced directives, which I would say the majority of people actually don't have advanced directives, then their closest family members are asked to make medical decisions for them. So most of the time that works fine. But if someone hasn't had conversations about their wishes, this can lead to tremendous guilt for families who are left to make decisions with very little guidance. Sure. So, you know, that can lead to major conflicts between family members who then might have difficulty reaching consensus in the absence of a clear directive. So it's really good practice to complete them not only for yourself, but for your family members. Um, And I would say, you know, other situations, people might think that their significant other, like a long-term boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, or even a close friend, 
would be able to make medical decisions for them if they couldn't make decisions for themselves. But without a healthcare power of attorney designating that individual such authority, those individuals are not recognized as legal surrogates and they would not have a role in medical decision-making. So it's really important to take some time to think about who do you want to speak for you and give them the authority to do that with your healthcare power of attorney. Wow. Yeah, that's so important to think about. Those are great like light bulb moments. So I'm glad that you're sharing this so much. So when you do make the um, paperwork out, when you do complete that, where do you need to store or maintain these documents once they're um, completed? And do you need to review them every so often? After you complete your advanced directive, you should give a copy to your healthcare provider and then give a copy to the person that you have designated to be your healthcare power of attorney. As far as where you keep your documents, I would strongly recommend that you keep your original with other important documents, you know, maybe tax returns, things that are important to you. But I would not suggest putting it in a safety deposit box because it doesn't help you if it's not accessible. So um, as far as your other question, um, in terms of reviewing them, I th- it's not a requirement, but I do okay. think it's a good idea to review your advanced directives every so often. Um, sure. Because one might contest an advanced directive that was written many decades ago as potentially not being representative of the person's current wishes. So uh, yes, I would say that reviewing them periodically or after a major life event is, is very good practice. Such a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that that's something that you don't want to forget that you've completed and you do want to look at it again. So um, you sort of hit on what activates advanced directives. Are there any other points that you would like to share that would cause or trigger this um, needed document to be brought out or to be referenced at your provider or facility? So the documents really are designed to ensure that your rights and your wishes are safeguarded. So advanced directives are not triggered, as we talked about, until you meet very particular criteria. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, if you can make your own medical decisions, you don't have to worry that they will be activated. They won't be. No one's going to look at your advanced directives if you're making your own healthcare choices. And again, um, just to make the distinction that a living will becomes effective when you can't make your own decisions and you're either terminally ill or in a permanently unconscious state, whereas the healthcare power of attorney will become activated and make your medical decisions as soon as you lose the ability to do so for yourself, um, even when that might be a temporary loss of capacity. Okay. So I know you mentioned um, at the beginning of this discussion about being uh, at the age of 18 that you can go ahead and start considering looking at, you know, completing this type of paperwork. But do you recommend they should be started at that age or notated at a particular age or life event? Like what happens if a child is, you know, is there an age under 18 that someone needs to consider any of this? Well, legally, um, under 18, no, you you would have to be 18 and older to complete advanced directives, but they really are a critical component of comprehensive healthcare and they reflect your values and your worldview. So I, I would say that every adult should start thinking about these things and they should involve those people who are closest to them 
in the process of doing it. So it's not just the paperwork itself, but it is really the conversations that are important. Sure, sure. I know a lot of high schools are talking about um, reviewing, you know, adult type of paperwork and banking information. This should be part of that curriculum because I never would have thought or even heard of this when I turned 18 years old. And it's, it's fascinating to me that it's so important, but it's not discussed. Right. Right. So what do you believe stops people from creating advanced directives? Do you think people need clarification about them and what keeps someone from making them? Is it fear? Oh, that's a great question. I think unless you've taken a bioethics class and learned about the many heart-rending dilemmas and legal cases where having advanced directives could have led to a very different outcome, then Mm -hmm. I think it's probably just not on most people's radar. And as Mm -hmm. you say, um, people just might not know, they might not be aware that they're a thing. Um, They may feel confident, even if they've heard of them, that because they are currently healthy that they might find, well, they're just not relevant. Um, You know, again, like maybe the younger population thinks this is not something I need to be thinking about. But in fact, um, yes, we should always be thinking about what is important to us. What are our values? What are our wishes? Um, And I think that people may also think that it costs a lot of money or Mm. that they might need to see a lawyer to draw them up. And as we've discussed, that is not the case. They are accessible to you. You can make them free of charge. Yeah, that's a great point. And it probably is a misconception that the cost is there. So I'm really glad that you're offering these resources so everybody can, you know, get this document. I know even like my dentist asks, you know, do you have these things in place? So all your providers will need to have copies or at least want to know if you have this completed. So I think it's a great topic to talk about. Mm -hmm. When we were preparing for our discussion, you mentioned that solidifying these directives, they, it opens a line of communication up with family and providers. And you've pointed out it's a difficult discussion and a conversation to have. How might people begin to have those discussions in a like a non-threatening way? Mm. I suggest that people start these conversations with their loved ones when they're in a relaxed environment and they have the luxury of carefully reflecting on what's important to them. I think it would be a mistake to think of advanced directives as being this one-time event where they're filed away and then they're never spoken of again. So you probably notice or or even be aware that television shows often depict issues surrounding medical decision-making. And that can be a nice way to use those Um, TV shows just as a launching pad for discussion. Again, non-threatening, kind of casual conversation, but as a way to start thinking about these issues. And having frequent conversations about what is important to you and why can be as valuable as the documents themselves, since the whole point is to really ensure that your wishes are known and respected. Those are great points. So I'm hoping as an educator in this subject, you also have some other resources that you can suggest that can help someone start this process. Do you have any others other than the website with the free documents that you mentioned? Well, there is an educational packet that is tailored to those living in Ohio. It's called Choices Living Well at the End of Life. And that is also available online and it is free of charge. 
Um, I would also recommend speaking with your healthcare provider. Uh, they will be able to help navigate this process with you and answer any questions that you might have. Those are great suggestions. Oh my goodness. This is fascinating. It's a fascinating subject that um, I really think it's worth discussing and for people to do. I mean, you've made it so easy pointing out those um, locations to find the paperwork that you need. And I really appreciate your time and willingness to share everything that you know and what you do with our audience. I'm so glad that you reached out and let us know that you had this great information to share. Thanks for speaking with me today and for sharing this with our listeners. I cannot wait till everyone hears how easy this is to complete because it's such an important document and important point for everyone's life. Well, thank you so much for your time and for giving me a platform to discuss this issue. Take care. Take care.